Shalom and welcome. I'm Chelsea, certified mermaid, diver, and science communicator. And I'm Blake, scuba dive master, freediving instructor, and also a science communicator. <laughs> We've created the Save the Mermaids podcast to connect ocean lovers from across the seven seas who have a desire to protect our waters and learn to live in sync with nature. Save the mermaids, save the seas. Let's dive in. And now for our happy environmental news of the week. Environmental news out of the deserts of Chile. The local residents are harvesting the water in fog through fog nets. That way they're able to revegetate their land and they can get more vegetation. They get fresh drinking water for the communities. New businesses are opening. And that is our happy ocean news. Yay! How cool is that? I love that. It's like recycled water. Yeah. Yeah. Better for the planet. Who was that saying our news, you (laughs) might ask? (laughs) Well, and you might also be wondering why we released this episode on Earth Day instead of on our normal day. Right. And that is because today is a very, very special Earth Day episode with our good friend and author, Scuba Steve. Scuba Steve. Aloha. Aloha. Welcome to Save the Mermaids. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, So we're just going to get right into it. We want to know everything about you. Let's start with your origin story and how you got into scuba and conservation first. All right. Well, I'm going to take those backwards. I'm going to start with how I got into scuba and then uh, the first question. Perfect. So what was the first question? <laughs> What's your origin story? Oh, your origin story. Okay. So first got into scuba diving. I grew up on Long Island in New York, um, surrounded by beach and water sports was always a thing, whether it be above the water surfing. I wasn't really very good. Um, that's why I ended up down below because I fell into the water. I might as well stay there. Can't get hurt that way. Uh, swimming, boating, fishing, all of these things. But it really wasn't until I was in your backyard uh, in Hawaii for my honeymoon that while I was sitting at the resort and I was staring into nothingness because while my wife was reading, I didn't like reading. I know what kind of author doesn't like to read. We'll learn more about that. So while she was reading her magazines at the pool, I was staring into nothingness, bored, a little hyper, a little ADHD. And I walked over to the pool where I saw people with this weird equipment on. It looked familiar from the days of watching Jacques Cousteau. And I went over there and within five minutes, I signed up because at that point you could just charge anything to the room and you don't really pay for it. It just goes to the room. (laughs) They gave me the book and I couldn't put the book down. It was the only first and only book that from cover to cover I read in one sitting and it was absolutely fascinating. So the next couple of days I was able to convince my wife to join me and we went scuba diving and that's where it all started. My first scuba dive was right there where you are in Hawaii. Oh, love it. I love that. Yeah. And what was the other question? I'm sorry. Uh, How did that bleed into conservation? Conservation. Well, that came afterwards, after I started writing the books. But living on an island, our most precious resource are the beaches, the waterways, the rivers that we have on the island. So I like seeing it, even if it wasn't because of trying to conserve if it was only for the mere fact that I wanted it to be beautiful, 
and not ugly and seeing bottles and bags floating around. That's why I got into it because it was just better to look at. And then I learned the benefits of it. So it really started to snowball. That's Do you have snowballs in Hawaii? No, no snow. Uh, there is a ice skating rink. We could probably make snowballs there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so is there anything else in your history that you wanna you wanna throw out there? Anything about your origin story that you want our listeners to know? Yeah, I started out lifeguarding as every young boy here on Long Island wants to do, because I wanted to work at the beach. I wanted to meet the girls. I wanted to be at the beach. So I started lifeguarding and I didn't really enjoy it very much. So I found my way to summer camp. And from summer camp, that's where all of the Scuba Steve was born when I was over at the camp. My children went to the camp with me. We'd come home and like most families do, we would speak at dinner about, well, how was your day? What did you do at camp and whatever? And I always left it to the girls. And the girls would talk about the crazy, stupid things that dad would do. But I wasn't dad anymore. I was always referred to as Scuba Steve. There were multiple adults at the camp with the name Steve. And to make sure that each of us had our own differences, they gave me a nickname, appropriately so, Scuba Steve. So everywhere I went, I was known as Scuba Steve. And in order to teach the kids how to swim, I would do crazy antics. If they were afraid, I would do stupid stuff. I would jump off the top of the building into the pool. I would do things that you're not really supposed to do, but <laughs> if it showed the kids that it's okay and they're not going to get hurt just putting their face in the water, I would do whatever it took to make sure that they got comfortable. And then we'd go on vacation and we'd see kids from camp and they'd start calling for me at the airport. They'd call my name. And one day my wife was asking me and telling me and encouraging me. She's a reading teacher. So she told me, you should write these stories and turn it into a book. There are no books like this. They're looking for new books. You should write a book. Ah, I said, no way. Years, <laughs> later, years later, it took many, many years until the day my wife was asking for some help. And like every good husband does, I told her I was busy. <laughs> and she kept going back and forth with me. And when she asked me what I was doing, I told her, well, I'm finally sitting down to write that book you told me to write. Well, I heard a big thud and some pitter patter running down the stairs. So I quickly opened up the book, uh, opened up the computer. I started typing, but I sat there and the, the listeners won't be able to see it, but I sat there with this look on my face. <laughs> a scrunched up face, frozen, not doing anything. She says, you're not writing anything. I said, I've got writer's block, right? So she convinced me to help her. I finally did what she needed. But then when everybody went upstairs to get ready for bed, I sat down at the computer and all night long, the next morning she woke up and there was a manuscript with a story. And that story after a lot of editing and a lot of back and forth, turned out to be my first book, Hanu's Reef, um, which was named after where my first scuba dive took place in Hawaii. And I learned that the Hawaiian word for turtle was Hanu. So I named it after my first dive. Oh, that's, that's such a good story. I can tell that you're a storyteller. Like you're obviously a published writer because you're very good at telling stories. I'm like enthralled already. And I knew all this. 
So Honu's Reef was the first one. Um, What was, I mean, what was the inspiration? How did it all kind of snowball from there? Well, when I took the information from my wife, the inspiration, and she encouraged me to write a book about the stories, I said, if I'm going to write a book about scuba diving, I have to first start where it all started. So I went out into the garage. I opened up my scuba bin. I took out my logbook. And I opened it and I turned it to page one. And I read what was in there. Now, my logbook is different than most people's logbook. Most divers write the bare minimum. They write down water temperature, depth, location, how much air they started with, how much air they ended with, maybe something that they saw. I, on the other hand, I write, it takes four to five pages in my logbook to write about my dive. Because I start out with, the ride to the dive. If we were picking up Jimmy and Jimmy was late, he didn't get out of the house because he woke up late. I talk about that. I talk about every single detail and everybody who dives with me knows they're going to end up in the book some way, somehow. (laughs) So I started with my first dive and and I'll send you the picture, but the picture of Hanu on the cover, and that's me, (laughs) <laughs> the picture of Hanu on the cover is actually a, an illustrated version of the first picture of Hanu that I took on my first dive. So everything that I'm writing, look, face it, every writer writes what they know. Mm-hmm. So what do I know? I know how to scuba dive. I know what I've seen while I'm scuba diving. And I'm really not that smart. So I can only write at a third grade level, which is who the books are for. <laughs> I was going to ask, like, why do you write for kids? But there you go. (laughs) I can't write big words. (laughs) So it's funny to me that you resisted writing like that. When your wife suggested you resisted it so much because you've clearly been a writer since you got in the water. I have always written stuff. And I've always like you referenced before. I always told stories. Mm -hmm. You talk to any of the kids I grew up with. Many of them I'm still friends with. And I was a storyteller. Back then, they didn't call them storytelling. They called them lies and fibs. (laughs) I I told stories. I told tall tales. And that's why it became the tales of Scuba Steve, not like the adventures of. It wasn't about that. It was about the tale that I was telling because I've always told tales. So your books do have a very, a pretty heavy conservation message. Um, And I know that you're writing mostly on things that you've experienced and seen, but is there any kind of research that you've had to do, things you've had to learn along the way to make the books work? Always, yeah, always learning, always researching. So when I start writing a book, well, the first one really just was an introduction, pardon the pun, but dipping our toes in the water, right? So it was really just an introduction to the characters and the kind of story that we're going to be telling, time, place, people. The second book, Cacard on Island, was the first book that I actually went into with a plan. Like the first one, I just started typing and where it went, who knew? I didn't even know where it was going. Um, The second book, I actually went into with an outline and a plan on what I was going to be doing. I wanted there to be a purpose to the book. So I actually looked at some of my dives. I looked at all of my logs and... Then I happened to see some stuff posted on social media about drift nets and ghost nets and the harm that they do 
to the animals, whether it be the turtles, the dolphins, the whales, you name it, they cause harm to everything. So I took stories from my logbook. I mixed it with factual information. And before I ended up writing it, I looked into, well, what is it that I really need to know? Because it has to be fun for the children. I don't want it to be reading an encyclopedia, right? So there has to be some fact, but it can't be overwhelming fact because they're not going to pick up the book. Mm -hmm. They're not going to want to read it. But while they're reading it, I want them to learn something. So in this book, the children, Cacardon Island, the children go to this fictitious place named for, and they learn about this, Cacardon um, Cacarius, which is the great white shark. It's the genus and species of the shark. So in every book, I name things for real stuff, and they learn that. Um, when they get there, Scuba Steve tells the children why they're there. He explains about the drift nets. He explains the harm. He gives them certain cutting shears, like surgical shears, and they all go into the water and they go down and they try and help free the animals that are trapped in the drift nets. Somehow, Scuba Steve was able to hear the animals crying. So from 8,000 miles away, he was able to transport the children to this place. And through all the danger, they ended up freeing the animals. So they freed a whale, Peppy. Um, they met a shark. So they learned that sharks aren't so vicious. They're not out there to eat us like the media likes to make it out to be. I would have, I mean, I love these books as an adult, but I can't imagine how much further along in my career, further along in my passion I would be if I had been introduced to these books at a third grade level. So just imagine like in 20 years where all these kids are going to be because they read the tales of Scuba Steve is just so inspiring. Right. And I was going to say too, I don't think there's, there's nothing I know of like this, especially a series, For you know, you, you get one-offs every now and then, like I've got countless mermaid books that are like clean up the ocean, but it's not a story where you learn things and you go on the journey with kids, your own age, presumably. Yeah. So, well, one of my favorite movies growing up was Jaws. And most of us know that Peter Benchley regretted writing it mm -hmm. and he regretted actually allowing uh, Steven Spielberg to turn it into a movie yeah. because once that happened, devastation began with the sharks, yeah. with the, the finning and the killing and the trophy hunting and all of that. So I look at this almost like I'm trying to reverse and write the book that Peter Benchley should have written. Oh my gosh. Are you going to do a movie someday? I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> One surprise at a time. <laughs> next podcast. Yeah, right. We'll see you next Earth Day. <laughs> so actually today we are dropping this very special episode because you have a very special announcement that's happening today. Yes. And I, I want to get to that because this is a really exciting Earth Day. Earth Day. Yeah. Oh. So why don't you go ahead and make your announcement? Tell us why it's special. I've been waiting for this day for almost a year now. Um, today, I am announcing officially that the third book in the Tales of Scuba Steve series is coming soon. It's about to be released. It is called The Tales of Scuba Steve Ishvel Point. That's a hard word. Let's hear you say it, Ishvel. 
Ishvel. Ishvel. Ishvel. Yeah. We were wondering earlier. <laughs> not known quite, for our pronunciation. No, we're very right. <laughs> it's a it's a Norwegian word from north of the Arctic Circle. So it's a word that means iceberg. Oh. So, so it's completely different than the book in Hawaii and all of the others. So the children and Scuba Steve go swimming and scuba diving up in the icy waters of the Arctic. Ooh. And while they're there, they get to experience a whole bunch of stuff. The danger of glacial calving, they get to experience the Northern Lights, uh, the Aurora Borealis. They get to befriend, almost like Hanu and Pepe the Whale, they get to befriend a ring seal. They get to befriend a unicorn, I mean a narwhal. Um, so they're getting to learn and experience a whole different kind of scuba diving, um, the equipment and the dangers that come along with that. But the topic of this book also goes along with Earth Day, much like the rest of the books. And this one goes to the pervasive plastics that are polluting our oceans. Here at Save the Mermaids podcast, we are always looking for fun and sustainable businesses to support. And one that we absolutely love is Nudiewear. I met the owners, Christy and Ryan, at a scuba cleanup right here on Oahu. They're a local sustainable clothing brand that makes activewear, swimsuits, dry bags, purses, and headbands in gorgeous wildlife-inspired patterns such as the Mandarin fish, nudibranchs, and whale sharks. They donate 10% of each purchase to conservation efforts across the globe. Their activewear is made from recycled water bottles, and they even make beautiful jewelry out of the discarded fishing nets. Go to our website, www.mermaidconservation.com, and use the code SAVETHEMERMAIDS to receive 10% off of your purchase. And if you're on the island of Oahu, join Nudiewear for their monthly underwater cleanups. See you there! Um, even in the most remote place on the planet, they witness the amount, the vast amount of plastics that are all over. So while they're there, the children are charged with cleaning up the ocean. So they are scooping up the plastics, they're cleaning them up, they experience a little bit of danger and a little bit of fun, but while they're there, that's their purpose. And that's why I'm launching it on Earth Day. That's so exciting. It's so exciting. And we got a sneak peek of the cover and it's just, I don't know, even just the cover kind of speaks to you. Mm -hmm. So I'm really, really excited to see where this book goes. Thank you. And considering it's a completely blank cover, that's really nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. No spoilers here. (laughs) So while you were talking about it, I was just thinking about, you remember the show Reading Rainbow? Oh. Right, like, like the reading. How rainbow. cool it would have been for these books, the like for Lavar Burton to have been like, "Let's talk about this." After he read it to you, uh, yeah, maybe we could call him. Let's call him. He's still around. Yeah, you, yeah. you got people. Where kids today are really lucky to have these like books like these. Yeah. So I'm really excited for you. They have access to all sorts of information. Yeah, they really do. Uh-huh. Um, so in the new book, there's a lot more fact. I keep adding more facts to the book. There are real photos from photographers around the world that have experienced these phenomena that they're going to read about and learn about. And there's facts about the plastics in the ocean. 
Uh, all of that comes after the book. So they get to read the adventure, have fun with it, and then learn what they just read. I love it. Nice. I love it. I'm excited to see. I wonder if the future holds like projects and workshops and, you know, active like calls to action because of these books, you know? This stuff in the works, we can talk off air. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love this. <laughs> so this one is obviously very special because like you said, you really upped your game, but what else, is there anything else you want to share about why this particular one is so special of the three? No, I will <laughs> leave that to the readers to see. I love it. Okay. Um, mystery. <laughs> So I guess you actually answered my next question. So I'm going to skip ahead. Well, actually, what else do you want to say about the book first? Anything? I'm just really excited for it. I am excited to see the faces on the children who are reading it because it is completely different in environment than the other books. Mm -hmm. So most people view scuba diving based on like where you are in Hawaii right? Warm weather, they go diving on holiday and vacations where you can just be in 80 degree water and sunshine. But that's not what this book is about. This book is completely different and it opens their, it'll open their eyes to a whole new environment. And I'm really excited for that. I am too. On my bucket list is that uh, dry, like you need like a dry oh. suit, scuba dive where it's right in between the continental shelves. Have you guys seen yes. those pictures? Yes. You could touch them both. That's a goal. That's well, a I, goal can but you, oh. I can invite you to come to Long Island because we dive in a dry suit all year round. <laughs> we I feel so like insides <laughs> curling up, but I'm here for it. Like You're going to have to really you're talk warm. us You can it. wear a winter jacket underneath and you stay nice and toasty. That's you come insane. out and you're just warm. That's crazy that you can wear a winter jacket underwater yeah. and be fine. I just always have to pee when I get into the water because I'm used to wearing a wetsuit and I feel like that could create a lot of problems. Yeah. Do you? That's the number one reason to own your own wetsuit. <laughs> True. Exactly. Do not rent a dry suit. No. Because there are, there are two kinds of divers. Those who pee in their wetsuit and those who lie about it. No. Uh -huh. Oh, but wetsuit. I can't think about that with dry suit. That's get a, something a else. diaper if it's a long dive. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. yeah. Diapers. They make adult sizes. We'll do that for the deco dives. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Can, we'll bring our diapers and we'll join you in line. Yes. <laughs> Excited for it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. So, well, first of all, congratulations on this book. I know I'm excited for you. I can tell how excited you are. We both can't wait to see what this leads to. Thank you. Um, what is your favorite marine animal? Do you have one? I have many. Sometimes it changes based on the day and if I learn a new fact, but it usually comes back to, I'm going to give you my top three because I can't, eliminate one of any of these three. Sometimes there's a new one that comes in, but the top three are always there. Okay. The first one has to be sea turtles. It's what started it all for me. It was the first thing I saw when I went underwater and they bring such a sense of calmness mm -hmm. while I'm diving. It's so serene. It's better than yoga, better than meditation. Diving with turtles is absolutely fantastic. Um, the second animal, is more like me, it's quirky. They're like clowns underwater. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to scuba dive with hammerhead sharks. 
Oh, yeah. they, they are so much fun to dive with because they're clowns. They like playing games. They play hide and seek. They are just very funny. So I have to include the great hammerhead and the scalloped hammerhead and all the other species of them because they're fun. And the third one is from a classic book that I did read, uh, The Sperm Whale. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows about Moby. Mm -hmm. But while they're super large and there's that great adventure between them and the kraken and squids and at the super deep depths that they can go, there's still something fascinating about their culture and their relationships and their intelligence and how they build family structures. There is something absolutely phenomenal about learning about that. And there's, there's an author out there who writes books about stuff like this, uh, my favorite author, and it, it's absolutely wonderful to read his work. You so eloquently said everything that needs to be said about swimming with those three animals. <laughs> then that's why they're my favorites. Good choices. Good choices. <laughs> um, okay. What about your favorite way to help the ocean other than, you know, molding young minds or whatever? <laughs> favorite way to help the ocean has to be the simplicity. People don't have to do 97 billion things. They don't need to take on the world and do everything perfectly because we still don't even know what that really means. All we need to do is keep our trash contained. That's the best thing we can do. Make a couple of minor changes on what we're buying, how we're buying it and packaging it. Make those small changes in one or two items in your house. It's all it takes if everybody does that. But make sure that we don't dispose of it in just tossing it out the window, letting it blow around in the wind. If there's no garbage where you are, keep it with you. You brought it, bring it home, dispose of it properly because all rivers, all waterways, all drains do eventually empty out into the ocean. And the topic of the new book happens to be why does that stuff have to be there? I would love for the day to come that I don't have any more of these environmental issues to write about. I would love for I would love for the world in some ways to put me out of business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and maybe one of the kids who's reading is going to be the one to do that. Oh, maybe. That'd be great. <laughs> I love that. I'm gonna cry. That was beautiful. <laughs> Um, you know, I really love that answer. We've done, we've been doing this for over a year and we've interviewed probably like, what, like a dozen give or take people. Mm -hmm. And every time we ask that question, that's the answer. You don't have, you, we want a lot of people being imperfect versus one person being perfect. Like you said, it's not big changes. It's just contain yourself, make little changes. Yeah. Do better. <laughs> There's a whole big misconception about we have to get rid of plastic. Mm -hmm. We're never going to get rid of plastic. First of all, we can't. Every yeah. piece of plastic that's ever been made is still around. Sometimes we can't see it because it's microscopic, but it's all still around. And it does have a purpose in life. There is still a place and a need for plastic. However, we don't need as much of it. There are alternatives for the things that we don't need it for. And that's really what the crusade and the cause should be about. Authors, like I said earlier, we write about what we know. So I use names in the book of people and things 
So it's easier for me to remember the characters based on their personality traits, because I have to be consistent throughout the books. If one of the characters behaves a certain way, that seems to be his personality. And I'm really starting just now to learn their personalities. It's really kind of fun how it's developed. But the, the voice who's telling the story, the perception from the book is the, a boy named Ben, who was named for my dog Bentley. And he has a lot of the same character traits as my dog. He doesn't listen, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> he, he does things. He's crazy. He's wacky. He's zany. It's very much similar to the way I described the hammerhead sharks. So that's it. I was going to show you Bentley, but that's so cute. That's so cute. <laughs> if you want to. to send us a picture, we can add that when we drop this episode. Otherwise, we will just like send our best to Bentley. <laughs> I will send you a picture of Bentley. He's and too I will send famous a for of us. Driving as well. Okay. <laughs> for Halloween. So awesome. Yeah. Oh, that was. It was so good talking to you, Steve. Thanks. This was great. Thank you. Yeah. Do you want to drop um, your social media links where people can find you, things like that, for those of our listeners who are interested in getting the book for themselves or for their favorite children? Sure. Do you want me to say it or do you want to say it on here? And then, yeah, say it on here. And then I'll link everything in the show notes as well. So people can just go straight um, to the podcast episode and click on it too. Okay. On Instagram, you can find me at, at Tales of Scuba Steve. Facebook, I have a page called Tales of Scuba Steve. And on Twitter, I am Scuba Tales. So easy. Yeah, easy. (laughs) Where are your books available? Books are available everywhere books are sold. It's available at Barnes & Noble. It's available at Amazon, Target, Walmart. My favorite places to buy the books happens to be at at two particular locations I do a lot of work with. One of them is Shark Allies. Yes. If you go go to Shark Cafe, you'll find all of my books there and money goes to the cause. It helps support their mission, which is similar to mine. And another place I like is a lot of local bookstores, uh, the little independent bookstores, because they know more about books than the logarithms that you find on the internet. Uh, Another location to buy it in person if you want to go is Turtle Related over on the East Coast in Florida. There's a place called Loggerhead Marine Life Center. And it's a wonderful place. Admission is free. They do all of this work based on funding and donations. A lot of those donations, I, I donate to them. So my books are available in their gift shop and online. Perfect. Well, we will definitely be linking all of those places just so that our listeners can follow those nonprofits as well. Because uh, anybody who listens to us will probably like Turtles and Sharks. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> who doesn't like Turtles and Sharks? Exactly. Nobody we want to know. <laughs> all right, Steve. Well, thanks again so much. And Thank we you. definitely would love to have you back on for the next book. Absolutely. <laughs> or the movie. Or the movie. Yeah. It's already almost finished. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I believe you. <laughs> Writer's right. That's all I do is I write. Good for you. And congratulations again. Happy Earth Day. Thank you very much. Happy Earth Day. Aloha. Aloha. Thanks so much for diving in with us today. 
please make sure to follow us on Instagram at Save the Mermaids Podcast. Visit our website at www.mermaidconservation.com for all the podcast merch and our eco-friendly favorites. And don't forget to join our Facebook community, Save the Mermaids Podcast Community. This is where we will post our monthly meetups, share our favorite underwater adventures, and connect with like-minded ocean lovers all over the world. Until next time, mermaids! Thank you.